0: the high desert in the great American Southwest West. Welcome to Coast to Coast AM. John, welcome to the program. Good to have you with us. You with us. You with us. you with us.
1: Welcome to Coast to Coast PM, the number one unofficial Coast to Coast AM podcast. This is a podcast where two brothers analyze the world's largest overnight paranormal radio show known as Coast to Coast AM. My name is Paul, and I'm the guy that listens to this inexplicable radio show here with my brother. Hey, it's Chris. I'm the Billy Crisple to your Meg Ryan, but I didn't create one of the cutest romantic comedies on the planet. You did not, Chris, but you did co-create one of the best paranormal radio or podcasts, I think, that is out there currently. Dedicated to Coast to Coast AM. Dedicated to Coast to Coast (laughs) AM. (laughs) It's early. I don't know where I was going with that. No, it's Uh, good. It's good. But today, Chris, we have another episode. Yes, Paul. We all realize that when we start recording. Thank you. You are welcome. And today's episode is going to be all about Mothman. 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 What 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 is this? Some kind of turkey that dresses up like a moth? It's a giant moth-shaped man slash humanoid flying creature that has been terrorizing the citizens of West Virginia for decades, if not centuries. So it's worse than Black Lung. Yes substantially okay, i would rate this number one issue to west virginia number two issue is the black lung from the coal mines uh, yeah the black lung and the addiction to painkillers yes most definitely so this is going to be art number bells three. this is going to be art Bell's interview with john keel about the mothman prophecies that aired on january 24th 2002 it's been a while since i denigrated a state so i felt i just needed to throw a little something in there You got to blast West West Virginia. Just blast in West Virginia. Your state is fake, West Virginia. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if we have any West Virginia listeners. If you're uh, in West Virginia, write in. We want to hear from you. Yeah. Give us a shout out. Tell us about the Mothman. Yeah. But before we get to that, Chris, Tim Time. We got to go check out the Coast to Coast AM blog with Tim Banal. So this week's article Flat Earther fights physicist at Kent State. Wait, like physically fights? Physically fought. They physically fought. A flat earther and a physicist got into a brawl at Kid State. Yes, I can't wait to hear about this. It's a good one. And if you have not checked out our flat Earth episode with David Weiss, that's episode twelve. Go check that out. Probably give you a little bit of context here. Is this David Weiss who got? It's not David Weiss. Weiss. It's someone else. Oh, okay. But it's all the there in terms of the philosophy behind flat Earth. It's all the same stuff. Right. 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 All right. So reading from Tim's article. Cops at Kent State University in Ohio were called upon to break up a bizarre brawl that erupted between a flat earth enthusiast and a scientist who took issue with the controversial conspiracy theory. I would just like to change that to rent a cop at Kent State, please. Okay, rent a cop at Kent State. Thank you. The very strange incident reportedly occurred this past Tuesday when Peter uh, Harvio arrived on campus with a sizable display, which argued that the moon landings were a hoax. And in fact, our planet is not round. Stationed outside of a university building, the conspiracy theorist spoke to several students about his unique ideas until he caught the attention of one particular passerby who had his own passionate feelings about the subject. So wait, he wasn't even like giving a talk. He's just one of these like street criers. What world would Kent State have a flat earther give a talk? I don't know. I mean, I just figure, you know, people give talks in different ways. This dude is just on the side of the street. Talking about flat earth, this guy showed up on campus with a giant poster board and started yelling about flat earth. Fascinating. We had one of these guys at my university, he he uh thought the world was going to end and he had a countdown. Yeah, dude, they all all colleges have a street preacher. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't see the evangelist for flat earth coming to college campuses that often i want to see more of it because more. it sounds really G- funny give me more <laughs> give me more okay let's go all right so according to police the unnamed the unnamed man approached Sarvio and the two had a heated conversation about the concepts that he was promoting unfortunately what could have been a constructive exchange of ideas quickly turned ugly when the angry skeptic apparently gave up on trying to sway the conspiracy theorist's opinion and instead decided to focus his frustration on the flat earther's display Harvio later told police the man, quote, took my posters and threw them. In response, the conspiracy theorists grabbed the irate man and the two tumbled to the ground where they began grappling. Fisticuffs? Fisticuffs. My goodness. So recalling the brawl to the police, Harvio said that, quote, I straddled him full guard. I think they call it an MMA. And in the kind of unorthodox fighting technique one might expect from a flat earther, quote, I pulled his glasses off because I figured he needed his glasses. <laughs> oh yes, which not a bad did they teach move. You that I was gonna say. Did they teach you that in MMA too? Depending on move his glasses. Depending on how blind this guy is, he may need those to fight. Yeah, especially if he's uh, farsighted. Yeah, he may not be able to see anything up close. So alerted to the situation by concerned witnesses, uh, Renta cops arrived on the scene and promptly put an end to the skirmish. When asked why he had to trash Harvey display, the man explained that he was, quote, upset by this theory because he is a physicist and the earth is not flat. In turn, you don't see you don't see physicists getting that upset after fake theories. Yeah, this guy this guy was in a mood about it. Yeah, I was going to say this guy is one of these people that says they believe in science. Oh, yeah. So in turn, officers informed him that the consternation did not give him the right to throw the posters, which were Harvio's property. Ooh, rent-a-cops coming to the aid of Flat Earth. Coming in spicy. So neither men were arrested and they both went their separate ways. And then Harvio returned to his spot with his poster board and continued to preach the good news of Flat Earth. So pretty much what we've learned today is don't send your children to Kent State. Don't send your children to Kent State. Because even the the physicists are jabronis. I just love that a physicist was like, I'm throwing down with this guy. I am so upset right now by flat earth theory that I'm going to get into a fight. Now, in his defense, flat earthers are really frustrating. Why would you ever even speak to one, though? I was upset enough at David Weiss just listening to him. I wasn't even directly interacting with the man. Like I said, dude, flat earthers are just frustrating human beings who are just so internet brained. They can't like form connections, actual connections anymore. So why would you waste your time? And that's what I'm saying, dude. This physicist is a, I believe, science person who is just as frustrating as flat earthers. I think they're very different in terms of frustration, but I will say that he also committed the original sin of conspiracy theory according to george nori which is saying that we didn't go to the moon oh never say oh, we didn't gee. go to the moon that is a coast to coast am sin yeah don't do that what did art think about that uh art art believed we went to the moon for sure okay yeah he, right. he did have an episode on uh moon landing hoaxes that we can talk through but yeah he wasn't he wasn't on the it wasn't particularly yeah he would allow it to happen Mm -hmm. but he wasn't like pro we didn't go to the moon oh he would talk about pretty much anything i mean he brought a satanic witch on to talk about how she has sex with young virgins (laughs) in salt lake city (laughs) Uh, that's harlot the witch everyone if you haven't listened to it yet yeah go check that one out some housekeeping We have an email address. Send your thoughts or episode requests to c2cpmpod at gmail.com. That is with the number two. We'll drop that in the show notes. If you like the show, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and smash that subscribe button. We release an episode every Thursday, and that'll make sure you never miss a show. And thank you to everyone that's told friends about us or written in uh, with show requests or general good vibes. We really appreciate you. This is an artisanal podcast. Homemade, baby. Homemade, dude. 100% organic as well yeah dude USDA certified very true well to today's episode Chris Art Bell's interview with John Keel on January 24th 2002 now Chris are you familiar with John Keel or Mothman I am somewhat familiar about Mothman but merely because I watched the Richard Gere classic Mothman prophecies Paul that is fair well today we're going to be hearing uh, from the guy that Richard Gere plays in that movie John Keel. No way. Yes. That's who he's playing? That's who he's playing. This guy, Okay, great. Yeah, so John Keel was a journalist and author. He passed away in 2009 at the age of 79. He wrote a book called The Mothman Prophecies that described his investigation into the sightings of a large winged creature in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. The book was later turned into the 2002 film starring Richard Gere that you mentioned, Chris, which is also called Mothman Prophecies. Hence why... Art is interviewing him in 2002. It's for the movie, probably. Exactly. Yeah, he was going on his little his you know radio and TV appearances and all that stuff for this movie specifically. What again, dude? You got to go to coast to coast, baby. Got to. This is your audience. If you're the Mothman Mothman prophecies, you really got to juice these these numbers up, dude. Yeah, turnout is key in this demographic. Oh yeah, this is this is who goes to see that movie. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and Keel is also the reason why Mothman is a thing. Like he he literally wrote the book that made Mothman famous. Right, right. He is he is the grandfather mm-hmm. of the Mothman conspiracy. Now, but at the time, art didn't really know anything about Mothman. So that's the first thing we gotta address. Like, what is Mothman? And and Paul, I'm sorry, when did he write the book again? He wrote the book in 1975. 1975. So no. it's been 25 years. And yeah, art and- is still not super up to date on mothman which because Mothman also is an artisanal cryptid as well right yeah definitely i mean hills of west virginia dude who's going yeah. there it's it's Everyone, very localized everyone's leaving west virginia and nobody's mm-hmm. coming to west virginia i think west virginia will actually give you like fifteen thousand dollars if you move there they have a insane yeah they're package. like alaska they're yeah. like alaska they're like please come please please god come here Yep. So, Artville's first question to John is, hey, what is Mothman? What's going on with this thing?
0: The only thing I've known about Mothman was an occasional caller who would reference Mothman. And I'd always say, well, I don't know a lot about it. And your name would come up. And uh, so, anyway, here we are finally. What is Mothman?
2: Well, it it all began about 35 years ago. So that's... uh... In terms of generations that's like three generations and by modern standards you know easy to forget it Uh, mothman uh, appeared in west virginia in 1966 and uh, there were frequent appearances of this creature which uh, was described as being about seven or eight feet tall
0: Uh which
2: is pretty big and uh, had very bright red eyes bad and it would spread wings that were about 10 feet across, and it would take off straight up in the air. And it had a curious habit of chasing automobiles.
1: Paul, a little misinformation right at the front. 35 years, I'm sorry, is not three generations. That
2: That's, it was
1: a weird take. <laughs> at, a generation is 20 years. Even in the modern era, a generation is 20 years. What the hell is this man talking about? It's been like 10 generations since I started talking about this art. There have been like 80 generations. So many generations have happened. You know how many times the moon has gone around the earth since I started talking about this? so we got we got a mothman in west virginia though right that's that's where we're at giant winged creature shoots up straight into the air doesn't go diagonal like a normal bird it's like just like like superman flying up yeah it's pretty cool i like that that is pretty cool yeah if i remember correctly a lot of the thinking is that this was a like jet propelled man right i did not run into jet propulsion man theories okay that's what I I think I remember seeing that somewhere that somebody thought that it was like the U.S. Army testing early instances of jetpack. That would be really funny with some of these sightings where like some dude with a jetpack was just like landing on a fire station and just right. like hanging out. That would be pretty yeah. funny. We'll talk yeah. through the sightings though. In a bit. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So this Mothman was showing up uh, starting in like 1966, 1967, and that was around the time that John Keel was there. And it was just scaring the crap out of people, dude.
2: Anyone who saw this was usually horrified and terrified and traumatized by it. And I, uh, over a period of uh, that year, I collected over 100 uh, reports from people who seemed very sincere and very, very frightened by what had happened to them. This thing had sort of hypnotic powers. That people would be transfixed when they saw it.
1: So is this guy like a journalist? This guy is a journalist, yeah. Okay, all yeah. right. So he's going out and starts collecting case studies in the late 60s, early 70s. Exactly, yeah. Okay. And the big thing is that he's he's in the region. We'll talk through why he's in the region in, in, right after this clip. Uh, but he's, he's there. He's seeing all these Mothman sightings as well as some other weird things that are happening, right? So people are seeing Mothman a lot. They're seeing orbs down by the river. Um, okay. And he's basically just like writing all this stuff down and trying to figure out what's going on and then the climax of all of these sightings is the bridge in town collapses.
2: Right, right. The year climaxed was the collapse of a bridge. There's a lot of people on it.
0: Um, what did that have to do with Mothman?
2: Well, it, it seemed to bring things to a, not a, to a stop, but uh, everything slowed down. There were a lot of people on the bridge who had either encountered the Mothman or had close relatives who had encountered the Mothman.
1: What were all these people doing on the bridge? They were driving, so it was around okay. Christmas time. Yeah. Okay. So it was it was a lot of people on a bridge, and right after the bridge collapses, the Mothman sightings stop. Did a bunch of people die? Yeah, around. Um, let me pull it up. Hold on. The Silver Bridge collapsed on December fifteenth, nineteen sixty-seven, and forty-six people died. Forty-six people. Forty-six people died. Yeah. That's got to be one of the worst bridge collapses in U.S. history. Yeah, it made national news. Actually, it might have been international news, to be honest. Oh, I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was, especially in America, dude. Mm -hmm. Uh, Especially at the time, we didn't have infrastructure problems. We did not, really. That was when we knew how to build things. I think we've, we've forgotten how to build things since then. Definitely, dude. And actually, it's kind of surprising we don't have more bridge collapses. Well it's, I mean even with the uh, the the bridge that was connecting Arkansas and Tennessee had that huge crack in it that they found oh, like yeah, they're lucky right. that didn't that didn't yeah, break that it didn't end up a lot worse than it was right Yeah honestly was there any Mothman activity around there Paul There was uh a, a, in Arkansas in arkansas there could have been i had i did not look into that specific they look event. into the connection between that huh no but we will look okay. into the connections of Mothman with some other large incidents later chris okay got it so we got will it. get there all right now like i said john keel journalist what's he's what, what's he doing in west virginia right yeah what's he doing there pretty funny story
2: and uh i had been going i had gone to uh beckley west virginia uh, which is sort of a mining town. Then I don't know what it is now.
0: What had taken you there? Why? Why were you going because there? Because
2: there was a boy there who had found a cat with wings. A and,
0: cat with wings?
2: Yes. And uh, this cat was named. <laughs> he named it Thomas, and it became a celebrity. And he charged ten cents to look at this cat. <laughs> so all of the people in the area were paying ten cents to take a look at this winged cat. Well, I'd sure pay ten cents.
1: Dude, did you look into that? So what this was is that John Keel's job was just working for random publications and looking into weird stuff. I was (laughs) going to say, this seems like he's working for the National Enquirer or something like that. Like, boy, finds wing cat, sells 10 cents. Like, I think I've seen that. In standing in line at the supermarket. Yeah, that's that's what he was doing. That was his job. So it was random publications. At one point, uh, he did work for Playboy, who hired him to look into the UFO phenomenon and really get to the bottom of it. Right, yeah. He was not able to do, Seth. He didn't, he didn't get to the bottom of it, did he? He did not figure out why we have UFOs. <laughs> that would have been cool if he did. Would have been I want to know more about this winged cat, Paul, though. So he goes to investigate the winged cat, and it's only supposed to be in town for a couple hours. And when he goes to see the cat... Uh, the wings fall off and it turned out that it was just like some tar and some gunk that this kid had pasted onto the back of a cat yes and then was charging people 10 cents for it what dude he's a barnum and bailey in the making dude Dude, it was 1960s carny level stuff was what was going on here this is this is a carny boy for sure and west virginia those people will fall for anything dude And the best part is, there was a woman in town who sued the kid and said the cat was hers. And then the moment the wings fall off, she drops the suit. She's like, I don't want the cat anymore. (laughs) Wow! She only did the lawsuit because she thought the cat was real. That ain't real wings. (laughs) Never mind. You can keep. I don't. I don't want that cat. (laughs) So that's that's what brought him to the region, right? Was he was looking into a winged cat that turned out to be fraudulence. And then he just heard about all this crazy stuff that was happening, all these sightings that were occurring in the area. Dude, so this guy is already kind of a madman. He's he's wild. He's he's yeah. he's ready. He, like, he was in the right place at the right time for this. Right,
2: right. Hey, anyway, I went to Point Pleasant expect, expecting to stay there for a few hours. Sure. Interviewing these people. Sure. And I, I discovered that there were all sorts of things happening there. Uh, they were seeing uh, UFOs. When I say UFOs, these were very, very bright lights. Okay. And, and they were going up and down the river and peop- everybody was seeing them and nobody knew what they were. And very often they would be very, very low in the sky. They'd be like a hundred feet above the water.
0: And and in size? How big?
2: Well, they were mostly uh, the size of a large beach ball. Well, th- these these things seem to have a basic intelligence to them if you flash the flashlight at them they jump out of the way of the beam
0: i've heard those stories yes
2: and uh, also i i i would flash say three times and they would flash back three times oh and i did this in front of witnesses who signed affidavits whoa
1: that's kind of creepy yeah so just wild stuff being seen everywhere interactive lights huh hmm Dude, but, I mean, kind of to be fair, though, West Virginia does seem like a particularly creepy place. And especially this location, I think, is extra creepy. Yeah, dude. It's just, like, old mountains. Mm -hmm. Like, the Appalachians are already weird, and and West Virginia you're kind of in the heart of the Appalachian mountains. Yeah. And as some background on the region too. So Point Pleasant, West Virginia is in kind of the, the Northern Western part of West Virginia. And it's at the connection point between the Ohio river and the Kanawha river, right? So it's, it's where these two locations meet. And during world war II it was also where munitions was made so they had old ah. tnt factories old munition depots all throughout this this mountainous area so you got a lot of abandoned buildings on top of this like really fertile farmland right mm-hmm. right and probably some old department of defense connections mm-hmm. and stuff like that right yeah, and you have a bunch of West Virginians in a small town. So the town's about four to 5,000 total people. So my assumption is also everyone's really bored and probably sees stuff all the time. Right. Yeah. So the Mothman sightings start, and everyone's saying, like, this this winged creature with red eyes is flying around the town.
0: The, the one distinctive thing about Mothman seems to be the description of blood red eyes, Right,
2: right. And that, that's a description also of uh, Bigfoot very often. Yeah.
0: yeah. You know how some people hate snakes and some people are scared of spiders? Right. I'm scared of things with red eyes. Uh, <laughs> I don't like red eyes. And and somebody earlier was saying, well, you know, a lot of people have described things like Mothman as angels. And I said earlier, and I'll say again, angels definitely don't have red eyes.
1: That's true. Maybe the archons have red eyes, but not angels.
0: Not angels.
1: Red eyes are bad. Right. So yeah. in terms of the sightings, Chris, I, I wrote up a few case studies for you. Okay. That I want to get your opinion on. Yes, let's do it. Dude, you know I love my case studies. Yeah, so these sightings didn't really start until the 1960s, although sightings of large, uh, giant birds can be traced back all the way to 1914 in West Virginia. Oh, really? hmm That's it goes, pretty interesting. Yeah, it goes way back. So... In 1967, these reporting started in earnest when two young couples were driving in a car and told police that they had been chased by a giant flying creature with 10-foot wings whose eyes glowed red. Whoa. So the local newspaper ran a headline saying, quote, couples see man-sized bird, dot, 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 creature, dot, 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 something. Very fascinating, dude. Very fascinating. And he said mm-hmm. what year that was? What this year was, was that? 1967. 1967 Mm -hmm. that's the first in the newspaper recorded case of mothman yes and then a few days later two volunteer firemen said they saw a giant bird with red eyes perched on top of the fire station that flew away weird i mean Mm -hmm. what what could this have possibly been that's that's the thing any speculation so there's there's a few pieces of speculation uh the i believe it was the sheriff at the time said that it was likely a large heron that was okay. being spotted flying around there is a another local story chris that will take us back to the 1770s that locals blamed at the time for this okay 1770s holy cow okay yeah so in The 1770s, the Shawnee were at war with colonists in the area, and the primary war chief for the Shawnee was Chief Cornstalk, uh, who led Native American tribes against colonists, the most famous battle being the Battle of Point Pleasant, which occurred right where the town is located today. Oh, wow. Okay, I see where you're going with this Mm -hmm. one. So Chief Cornstalk made a diplomatic visit with his three sons to Fort Randolph, uh, which was located uh, in West Virginia in 1777. At the time, Fort Randolph was actually in Virginia. This was before West Virginia was a thing. Um, And instead of treating with them, the colonists imprisoned the four Native Americans and eventually murdered them. Right. Classic, man. Classic colonial (laughs) uh, (laughs) making of war. Yes, they, they came to, uh, to meet and then they were all murdered. They and came it was... for peace <laughs> and they were slaughtered. Yes. So it was said that with his last dying breath, he cursed the land for 200 years. Yes, he did. Yes, now, he did. A note on this story. Uh, it comes from a 1901 play about the history of the region that was written entirely by white people. Native Americans have said that the story is just a way of blaming all of the issues in the area on them, Right, which is yeah. very fair. No, dude, I will say this. West Virginia is cursed. For sure. It's definitely cursed. I'm not gonna it's say it cursed. was talk who did it, but yeah. I don't know if it was this Native American chief, but like the it's a cursed state for sure. It's fair. So- I mean, look at they're just the mountaintop removal by itself. That's cursed, dude. But see, that's I think it's Moloch and not mm-hmm. the the chief the Shoshone chief yes so Holy that God. was what was was one of the theories on top of the the heron was that it was this this native american curse which also stop blaming native americans for everything yeah. spooky that you see i mean right. going back to the hinsdale house episode dude found like a, a arrowhead and was like it must be a burial ground it's like no that's not what that means yeah but i do like the idea that native americans just have such a strong connection to the lands that we don't that they can get spirits to help them and like the spirits remain and this is just like some kind of like native american protection spirit like what was it though we below or whatever um i i forget the name of it but yeah the um the protection spirit that that um walked yeah, over house, Bar- yeah the house yeah So that, those are some of the ideas that were being thrown out. Uh, There was another story. There's a name, named Newell Partridge who saw glowing red orbs late one night in the fields uh, outside of his house. It was like very misty and spooky. Then these red orbs were just like flying around in circles. And then his dog ran towards the orbs and disappeared in the darkness and was never seen from again. Do we know anything about these orbs? Anything more? We do not. Uh, they were right. spotted a lot. It's kind of like spook lights, um, which okay. we discussed at the our high um, strangeness in the desert episode. But basically, there people are just spotting them all over the place. Um, well, and again, we we I think we again we talked about it in that episode. But there's like so much like coal and natural gas and and a lot of the, these weird things, mm-hmm. mist in mountains behaves weirdly. So you can kind of see where like you get this mix of weird stuff and being in the mountains in the hills of Appalachia dude is just creepy in general so anyways, yeah. okay let's get to some more all right so overall John Keel collected uh, about 100 reported sightings of Mothman by locals within oh, that wow. year that's pretty impressive so it was all over the place a lot yeah. of them happened in what was known as the TNT area it was the region that had all the defunct weapons factories and storage depots okay. World War II Got it. That's interesting. My favorite part about this was that as all these newspaper articles were coming out with all these sightings of Mothman, people started asking the government if they were allowed to shoot Mothman or if they were allowed to shoot Mothmen. if it turned out that there were multiple of them. And yeah. the National Guard actually had to step in and limit who could come into the TNT area because so many people were trying to go in to shoot this thing. Wow, dude. That's good West Virginians. Though. They're like, you coming on my land. I'm going to take <laughs> care Mothman more that's, like yeah. moth can't that's why we have the second amendment so we can shoot cryptids yeah dude. for sure i love that <laughs> i love their first responses i'm gonna shoot it can i can i kill it so those are some of the sightings that john keel had written down but i think the ultimate question here is why is it called the mothman prophecies chris what was being
0: prophesied what? yeah, what's
2: being <laughs> prophesized
0: uh the mothman prophecies uh why the word prophecies
2: because i started when i was chasing these things I started getting a lot of mysterious phone calls Uh oh and these this was be you know today we have satellites up there that can interfere with any telephone on earth right and in those days we didn't have those satellites so I couldn't really blame the government for this these uh, phone calls were usually uh, very mechanical voices like you get today from a computer but we didn't have real he sees in those days either right and uh, they they predicted a number of things that came true right on the nose like what martin luther king
0: his assassination
2: uh yes they told me that he would be shot in the throat and i took it so seriously i i spent some desperate days trying to contact his group
1: what mm-hmm. does he have any evidence for those phone calls so he did apparently send some letters out to people with these predictions. Um, most notably really? the one of the Silver Bridge that collapsed. Uh, he, he did write to someone about it, and he'll talk about that on our next clip. Um, what? So a little bit of evidence. And the thing here. How about the MLK one? Was that letter ever found? He did not mention any evidence that he actually had tried to reach out to MLK. No, he just said that. Well, but I like I don't know how to find that, I guess, is what uh, I should say. Oh, nothing, okay, nothing okay. I can personally validate. You don't you don't have the evidence. I, I don't have the evidence, okay. is what I should say. All right. Yeah. Yep. So basically, all this is, is relatively loose. It kind of reminds me of Skinwalker in a way, where weird orbs were being seen. This mothman creature was being seen. Uh, he was getting weird messages to his voicemail with these prophecies, and a lot of people who were saying, like, I'm having these weird dreams now. And then it all culminated in the bridge collapse, and then everything stopped. So he's basically relating this back all to Mothman. as kind of like the inciting incident for all of this. Okay, right. It's all interconnected Mm -hmm. to Mothman. Yeah. Okay. So he has a few other predictions that he
2: goes through.
1: Let's do it, dude. This is the most exciting part.
2: Uh, There were predictions that the Pope was going to be assassinated. And there was an incident where a man dressed as a priest attacked the Pope with a black knife. Unfortunately, the Pope's uh, uh, guards subdued this man, but it was a real attempt.
0: Was this Uh, coming, John, uh, at Point Pleasant uh, or following Point Pleasant or what?
2: This would usually be when I was back in my New York apartment that I'd get these crazy phone calls.
0: Do you think that it had something to do with Point Pleasant?
2: It was all interconnected because I was going back and forth to Point Pleasant frequently. Uh But as soon as I would get back from Point Pleasant, I'd have a string of messages of of frantic things were happening again in Point Pleasant. So I'd have to jump in my car and go back.
1: Okay. Okay. Does he have a theory on who the mechanical voice is? In terms of who it is, not necessarily. He doesn't get into that that I know of. Did he think it was the Mothman calling him? He doesn't. He doesn't mention. He doesn't this. even stipulate. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So he he is getting these weird weird messages, and then he also heard a prediction that there would be an accident on the Point Pleasant River. Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: And one of the predictions that sort of uh, built up over a period of time was that there was going to be a terrible accident on the river the Ohio River and that uh, a lot of people were going to be killed and uh, because the other predictions had come true I was getting rather frantic about this because I didn't know precisely what was going to happen. There were chemical factories along the river and I was afraid that one of them was going to blow up and of course I couldn't tell the people there. Uh, If it didn't happen I'd look like a fool and if it did happen you know, it's even worse.
0: Uh, now you would right. be implicated or something.
2: Dude, that was my immediate thought.
1: I was like, did this guy blow up a bridge? Yeah, yeah. He didn't. He didn't he blow didn't. up the bridge. Okay. All right. There was no, there was no, <laughs> he did didn't this blow up the bridge. Man, did this man destroy a bridge in West Virginia? Yeah. That would be the ultimate crank thing is like, he blows up the bridge and then blames him off it. Yeah. So Very no, he, he didn't blow up the bridge, but he was getting okay, a lot yeah. of these predictions and he was starting to freak out about it. And you say we actually have evidence of the letter he wrote about the bridge falling, uh, or that something bad was going to happen in the area. He he wrote to someone who didn't later validated it. Yeah. OK. All yeah. Right. So I, that- I don't have the letter, but someone did say, like, this guy was concerned about there being an accident on the river. Right. That is kind of interesting. Mm hmm. That is kind of weird. And if there is evidence of him reaching out to people like Martin Luther King and and these other, the Pope and stuff like that, like, what the hell was going on with that? That's a good question. That's a good question. That's a weird one, dude. All very inexplicable. Uh, And another inexplicable aspect of this was that the FBI and CIA were in the area for some reason.
2: Oh, yeah. Because the the FBI and the CIA were around there at that time. I found out later a lot more than I should have known. Uh, The TNT area.
0: Oh, now that's interesting. So, so in other words, our own government, uh, our spook side government, uh, knew something was going on there as well and wanted to know what it was?
2: Because there were suddenly a lot of strangers, and they should know, especially in the 60s, the FBI dressed almost in a uniform. They they had very short hair. They wore always wore a hat, and they they dressed with neckties and uh, you know things that you didn't see in uh, Point Pleasant very often. And
0: so an FBI agent would tend to stick out like a sore thumb. Right.
1: Yeah, dude. A G man is going to stick out in West Virginia, dude. Everyone's wearing overalls and coveralls, dude. That's exactly what he says. Was that you know there were these men who were like wearing all these slick clothes and like no one wore that in this town in West Virginia. It's a very West Virginia. The only people not covered in coal dust. Yeah, and they were just showing up. So that also led to the theory that Mothman was the result of some sort of government experiment. Uh, Ah, yeah, dude, no doubt, man. Mm -hmm. When you start seeing spooks all over the place, get real skeptical yeah something's going on here. something's up here something's going on there was even a woman that claims that she saw two fbi agents near the bridge the day before it collapsed what would have been the reasoning for them to blow up this bridge though um john keel does not know okay. he is asked that by art and he is not really able to give an answer of like why anyone would blow this bridge up right it's yeah. like the, the you know, because in West Virginia, West Virginia used to be a very unionized state mm-hmm. and and radically unionized, violently mm-hmm. unionized. I mean, there were actually coal wars between the West Virginia National Guard and Union coal miners, like hundreds of people, I believe, have died over, you know, multiple years between these large pitched battles like Mm gunfights that were happening between like pinkerton agents and national guard agents and union workers and that's what i'm kind of referring to that like this west virginia has always been cursed it really has been yeah and the the only real explanation he's been able to give is that seemingly a lot of the people who died had similar last names to people who had reported sightings of mothman we're like that's yeah, like that's a family members or had seen it themselves something like that yeah right so. so military i mean the uh the u.s government trying to cover up some loose ends there huh potentially yeah potentially yeah. i think that's what he's insinuating that's oswald and the cop and jack ruby right everyone just shooting each other it's, everyone, uh, if everyone's dead no one can speak it's the spider-man standoff yeah so mothman's showing up right before this natural disaster so like what is the deal with that right like was was he trying to help or was he a nefarious presence here
0: Ooh, mothman then might have been by imparting prophecies with with his presence or its presence whatever it was or is uh it might have been trying to warn people that danger disaster something horrible was about to happen
2: yes And people in Point Pleasant started having very strange dreams. Uh, Mary Heyer, who was a newspaper reporter, dreamt that there were Christmas packages floating on the river. And the the dream really disturbed her. But she couldn't interpret it. Other people were getting the same kind of dreams, that uh, something terrible was going to happen in the town. There was nothing I could do, really.
0: John, wouldn't there be another way of looking at it, though? Uh, that was a half-full glass of water. The half-empty is that Mothman caused this.
2: Well, he, he either caused it or he was trying to convey information to us in a strange way.
1: <laughs> he's, at, he's either absolutely benevolent or absolutely nefarious, Art. No middle grounds. Uh, <laughs> he either caused all the problems or he solved all the problems, Art. And that's exactly where the Mothman... We're has, not sure which. It's like, that's kind of a big deal. And that's exactly where the Harbinger of Doom theory of Mothman has come into play. Uh, so the idea is that anytime something really bad's about to happen, Mothman's going to show up. And that was what happened uh, with the, the bridge, allegedly. So... This silver bridge, which it was called a silver bridge because it was painted with aluminum. So it was actually silver. Uh, On December 15th, 1967, it collapsed under the weight of rush hour traffic and 46 people died. So the reason why it collapsed and why I know it wasn't John who (laughs) blew it up was because they found a small crack in the bridge. bridge. Yeah, there was a small crack in the bridge that was Uh. about 0.1 inches deep. And the bridge itself had been really poorly maintained, um, so it it just collapsed underneath this this rush hour traffic weight. Right. Wow. So that's why it went down. And then Mothman had that's been appearing to warn. Awful. Yeah. Now, yeah. With that, Chris, Mothman has not only been seen in West Virginia. It, it, he's making his uh, presence known in other states, internationally as well internationally so in 1999 uh russian ufologists claimed that mothman sightings were uh being done around moscow so people were seeing mothman in moscow leading up to the 99 russian apartment bombings what yeah is mothman uh a soviet thing no he's all over the place so there's more than that. There's more international sightings than just Soviet. Well, there, so there was this Russian apartment bombing, Chris. And the other big famous um, sighting was Mothman at 9-11. Bullshit. Yes. So here's the clip about Mothman at 9-11. Uh, John was not actually aware of this. This was something that art had brought up to him, but it has been talked about on the internet quite a bit.
0: Uh, there was a picture of... Uh... Uh, a street just about where the uh, 9-11 disaster occurred somebody who took a photograph John maybe you've even seen it maybe somebody sent it to you I don't know of this bird uh, just uh, having passed it looks like a building and it looks like a gigantic pterodactyl it, it uh, it's the dagondest picture I've ever seen John uh, I, have you I seen haven't it? seen that you haven't seen that
2: huh. This was and, before the buildings went
0: down. Actually, it was just uh, after. You can see the, the dust rising and stuff. And here's this giant, you know, people have said, well, the, the bird is closer to the camera than you think, but it doesn't look that way to me. I, it looks like a prehistoric, gigantic bird. So uh, Movement
1: being seen at Ground Zero. Do we have this picture?
0: We do have this picture, Chris.
1: Oh, my God. Let me see it. So, as you can see, this is a picture Uh, of New York uh, City right after the towers fell. And in the distance, you can see what appears to be a small bird-like creature. And we'll put this in the show notes um, that is enlarged here. So, Chris, do you think this is Mothman? This is inconclusive for me, Paul. It's just so hard to judge exactly where that bird is. The problem is that the bird is in the sky and you can't really tell, you know, how close or far it is. It could very well just be a bird. Yeah, that... That could just be a bird. Not very moth-like either. No, and that's the thing about Mothman. So apparently the name Mothman came about because of, like, the killer moth uh, issues of Batman that were coming out at the time. So people related it to the bad guy in these Batman things, even though it didn't really look like a moth at all. It was more just a winged man. Right. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. All right, got it. Okay. Well, it did look a little bit like a winged man, though. It, It does a little bit, yeah. And according to the theories bit. that we've heard so far, this could either be Mothman as the harbinger of something bad that was coming in, like giving us some sort of warning or he caused nine 11 Mothman did nine 11 Mothman did nine 11. That's the real nine 11 movement. That is you thought it was George Bush. Mothman did nine 11. It yeah, was Mothman. No, it was Mothman did nine 11. So the last clip that we'll have today, Chris Uh, is about phantom photographers that were showing up in the region of Point
2: Pleasant as well.
1: And this one's kind of spooky. Okay.
2: Uh, Phantom photographers who would drive up and photograph somebody's house and uh, ask to photograph the children. And this is going on in recent years in England. And they call them phantom social workers. But they're very interested in children. That's uh, that, that's spooky.
0: That is really
2: spooky. That's,
0: that's really spooky. Uh, do you have any best guess about what well, they were?
2: That, there, there again. Uh, I I don't know, because I I put out the word to all the police up and down the Ohio Valley to watch out for these guys, and sometimes I would miss them by ten minutes, and, uh-huh. and they would disappear somewhere. Uh, And uh, eventually, you know, this built up into the Men in Black lore, and they finally made a a comedy out of it in the movies.
0: There's another
2: Men in Black movie coming up this year.
0: Yeah, uh, it's not all comedy, though, believe me.
1: Yeah, dude, I mean, again, this is what I'm talking about with West Virginia being cursed. I mean, any time that you have such rampant poverty, the elite power structure is going to exploit that. And so it, I imagine that there are a lot of predators around West Virginia. Well and and that's the thing is that there were just a lot of weird sightings of weird stuff between paranormal phenomena right. and then actual men in black that were being spotted along with FBI right. and CIA agents and these right. people claiming to be social workers. It's just like just weird stuff kept happening in point pleasant and that's where a lot yeah. of the lore came from that's also why it reminds me of skinwalker is because it is a bunch of random things that i don't know how to tie together but right. they're all occurring in the same spot right right yeah it's just so. uh yeah it's just a, a a hub of weird activity how much of it is is real mm-hmm. how much is conspiracy And how much is like in the minds of these folks and how much of it is legitimately real, Mm -hmm. right? Like how much of it is actually happening to these people. It gets really hard to untangle at some point. And I think one of John Keel's uh, biggest theories for a lot of the stuff that was happening is that he, he kind of, especially with UFOs, he takes the extraterrestrial hypothesis out of it. And he talks of it more as like a psychic phenomenon where this is something that humans are projecting onto the environment. So we're actually impacting the world around us because we expect to see this thing or you heard about this thing and therefore you are actually manifesting it. So he he takes kind of like a psychic, like esoteric stance on a lot. I was going to say a little woo-woo. Very woo-woo, yeah. 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 That's an interesting take on the whole thing, the manifestation. I mean, at the end of the day, dude, I go with, this is probably some kind of gover- early government uh, trials, you mm-hmm. know, if if people are actually seeing like a flying man, like a, it was like early jet propulsion jet pack testing. Uh, Iron Man. It's an Iron Man situation. Uh, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It could have been, man. But regardless, it has helped boost the Point Pleasant economy as of late. Did so, it really? Yeah, so the town is now home to a full Mothman museum, yeah. and they also hold a Mothman festival every year that brings in ten to 12,000 tourists. Wow. And this is a town of 4,000 people right now. Yeah, dude. It, it... So the sound triples in size. <laughs> this is insane. Of course, dude. I mean, yeah. when you're a town like that, dude, and I mean- it's like winning the lottery, mm-hmm. right? I mean, some terrible things have happened to them, but like they have made the most out of tragedy, right? Yeah. And honestly, this festival sounds really fun. So the festival is held on the third weekend of every September. They have guest speakers to talk about Mothman. They have a bunch of local vendors. They have a pancake eating contest and hayride tours of locally notable areas. So I'll have dude. If we actually ever uh, make it big. We, we're we gonna have to do it yeah we need to do it man we, we need, need to, to do, do it. it we're gonna bring the podcast along and y'all can experience the mothman festival and this small town in west virginia that would be a ton of fun well chris on a scale of one to five mothmen what do you give this story I'm going to only give it like a 2, dude. John Keel didn't satisfy my lore needs mm-hmm. here. I uh, I I have way more questions that were than were even close to being answered. Yeah, I I'm going to agree with you there. I'm also going to give it a 2. He doesn't tie it in a bow at There's all. No, yeah, no bow. I I need somebody to go that next step. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of whys and a lot of hows Mm -hmm. that I feel like John Keel wasn't even really directly interested in answering. Yeah. It was like, well, the CIA and the FBI were there. What were they doing there? Why? Why are they in West Virginia? Yeah. These munition plants are supposedly vacant. What are they doing? That's a great question. Why were they there? Why were they there? Why were they there? What were they doing here? What was anything like? Why was anything happening, honestly? Why, why was, was the Mothman there? Yeah, well, but seeing that's what I think, I think it is connected to the CIA and the FBI being there. I think the bridge collapse may have something to do with it, too. Nah. What were the FBI and CIA doing there? I don't know, man. I don't know, and John Keel doesn't really know anything. Let me tell you, at the very least, it's nothing good. What are you talking about? Good. The spooks are always nice, I thought. Nothing good was happening with those people being there. What were they doing? John Keel, you're an investigative journalist. Investigate. I mean, that's a strong, strong term to uh, apply to John Keel. (laughs) He was the guy that was looking into the winged cat. Winged cat man. God bless him. We love him. Well, that was our Mothman Prophecies episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, You can email your thoughts or show requests to c2cpmpod at gmail.com. And thank you for listening. We appreciate you. All conspiracy, all the time. Later.